Welcome to Reasonable Doubts, your skeptical guide to religion. Welcome to Reasonable Doubts, the radio show and podcast for those who won't just take things on faith. Coming to you from Grand Rapids, Michigan, a great place to lose your faith in humanity. You can find us online at doubtcast.org or freethoughtblogs.com slash reasonable doubts. You can listen to us on Public Reality Radio, 1680 AM, WPRR, Ada Grand Rapids, 95.3 FM, W237CZ, Hudsonville, and 88.3 FM, WPJC in Pontiac, Illinois, and as always, streaming at publicrealityradio.org. My name is Dave Fletcher. With me in the studio, my fellow Doubtcasters, Mr. Jeremy Bean. Yellow. Mr. Justin Schieber. Hello, everyone. And the good Dr. Professor Luke Galen. I'm the bad version today. Oh, well, that's even better. Um, speaking of bad, we're going to start off talking about the film that is uh, really shaking up the movie industry. It's a little movie some of you may have heard of called God's Not Dead. Justin has now seen this movie twice. Oh, I love because it. Because <laughs> he is made of sterner stuff than the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeremy just sat through it last night. I sat through part of it before I had to run home and deal with the crisis. And Luke has not seen it at all. I refuse, but you can tell me about it. So, so what I get a kick out of Justin is he, he not only went to see the film a second time with us. Mm-hmm. He positively enjoyed it <laughs> and got like like geeked up. Before the Newsboys song at the end of the film, like, here it's coming, here it's coming. And it, it's like it's like Justin is a tourist in the parallel Christian universe that's close to our own, like a gleeful going-to-Disney-world tourist uh, and just loves every moment of it. Well, I'm, Whereas the rest of us were, like, really, really yeah. fighting our impulse to scream the whole time. I, I was a little bit happy when my kids called and I had to go home. Um, yeah. yeah, so Dave at this point hasn't seen the end of I the have, film. I only saw the first, like, what, 45 minutes or so. So let's... Let's set it up. And, and, and if you're going to be listening to this, spoilers. Be spoilers, yeah. <laughs> spoilers. We're, we're not holding Should anything back. we have a spoiler back. and a trigger alert? Trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, okay. Spoiler to the extent that we will reveal the plot, yet I recommend no one see this movie and everyone see this movie. <laughs> it is so bad. Please don't pay for it. Please do not give them... But experience it. But experience it. Wait till it <laughs> comes up on Netflix instant or whatever. I I did not want to pay for this movie. So I I went to the counter when it was when it wasn't busy and I said to the young woman working at the counter, What theater is God's Not Dead playing in? She said, Oh, Theater seventeen. I said, Okay, what's playing in the theater next to it? <laughs> and she looked it up and said, Oh, the Muppets. I said, Great, I will support the Muppets. Give me a ticket for the Muppets. Which started an hour and a half later. <laughs> yeah, and they still let us in. <laughs> and, uh, why why this didn't throw up a flag for her or anything? But and the thing is I actually paid more to not see the Muppets than I would have paid to see. <laughs> You're like those people that go God's to the bus Muppet. station and when they ask, where do you want to go? And you say, anywhere but here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Because I, I, and you know what? 
Um, I feel good about that decision. Now, Justin, you also bought a ticket for The Muppets. Yeah. But Jeremy and Ed Brayton, who came along with us, both t- bought tickets to the movie. So I paid for the film I saw. Whichever end of the ethical divide on that you fall on. It depends on your ethical theory. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, I don't think you did anything immoral. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just wasn't that clever. I, <laughs> I, you know, whatever. We got together. We got our drinks. And we headed in, Justin and I, with our Muppets tickets and Ed and Jeremy with their God's Not Dead tickets and walked into the same theater. If you had asked me 30 seconds before we walked in the door, because a a, a middle-aged woman with a couple of her daughters walked into the theater right before us, and I thought, they're going to be the only other people in the theater. Yeah, they're going to hate us because we're going to be heckling them. I actually (laughs) thought, while I was waiting in the lobby with my ticket, I thought, shit, they're going to catch me because they're going to be like, we only sold three tickets. How come there's five people in the theater? (laughs) What's going on? We walked in. It was packed. Yeah, absolutely. This we, movie we could only sit in the front row. The very front <laughs> that was row. That, the very yeah. front row. That was the only that, thing that was well, open. Were there, and we were there early. We got to see God not in, dying really like, close. Christian schools and such. I did not see any buses in the parking. <laughs> because they do that with movies like you know, Passion, Passion of the, of the Christ. They would, sure. they would have like there may have organized been, outings. And I know, I know that there was some of that in the first week. Um, yeah, but and, it's been out for yeah, five weeks. This is a this is for a small movie. This is. Unheard of. Did you see any like buses in the parking lot? I didn't notice anybody with like matching shirts or anything like that. Um, No no indication to me. People are all just flocking to this movie. So so much so that before the movie started, they did an unusual announcement and said the theater has sold out. So if you could move in and. I'm and me and Dave look at each other at going, point, I'm oh, like, shit. oh, man, they're going to run out of seats, and then they're going to start looking, and we're in the front row. If they start ticketing <laughs> people, we're right there. And to make it even better, one of my students was the guy who made the announcement. <laughs> nice. So I thought, oh, this is going to be tough to explain in class on Tuesday. I almost wish I would see a headline like, Atheist Create Scene at Christian Movie, loudly thrown, professors loudly thrown out of movie. Welcome. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not leaving. <laughs> Don't make me. That encouraged me to try to be behave a little bit better during the movie. But, um, you should have given your roped-off section, the atheist's peanut gallery section. Well, I don't think a single person there was entertained, but um, <laughs> I, I don't think a single... <laughs> I was entertained, yeah. Speak for uh, yourself. I was right. really entertained. Um, I don't think a like single person slack other jawed. than us was there for, you know, for the same purposes we were there for. <laughs> I think everyone there legitimately wanted to see this movie, and they were preaching to the choir. One good way to gauge a movie, I found, is the previews that run before it. This set oh, me up yes. for Lovely. real trouble. If we treat this as a diffuse social text <laughs> that begins at the moment we enter into the theater, it becomes even more interesting it because does. all the ads knew their audience. They seem to be a hodgepodge of pseudo-inspirational mm-hmm. and as- athletic-themed and Greg movies. Greg Kinnear. Uh, yeah, the, the movie. little boy who goes to heaven. Yeah. Oh, no, mm-hmm. not Greg Kinnear. I yeah, that, I was sad to see that, too. But, uh, so... Here's here's the plot of the movie. I'll set it up. You guys carry on with the last two-thirds of the movie that I didn't get to see. Start out with this um, college freshman uh, named Josh, Josh Wheaton. Wheaton. Josh Wheaton. Josh yeah. Wheaton. Like Will Wheaton, only not cool. Josh Wheaton um, is starting off his first day of school at an, I believe, unnamed college. No, they said the name, or they, they, it showed like a name, but I it's not a religious it college. It's a it's a yeah. public. It wasn't like a famously like Liberty University. We know we know some things about him before he even opens his mouth. Yes. 
Right. He, he has, has a girlfriend. He has an attractive blonde girlfriend. Yep. They're walking very chastely hand mm-hmm. in hand. And then as they part ways to go to their first classes, she gives him a Christian side hug and a kiss on the cheek. Yep. Very, it's very, adorable. Mm, yes. <laughs> the self-restraint is, is yep. powerful there. And, yes, he's wearing a, uh, a Newsboys T-shirt, yes. which is a Christian band. Prominently uh, featured throughout a, the film. With a nice, pressed, freshly bought flannel mm-hmm. over it, mm-hmm. unbuttoned, open. Yep. Because he's a cool guy. Uh, and and his cross necklace. Yes. So, in other words, a picture right out of, like, mid-90s mm-hmm. middle school fashion. Yes. And he he walks up to register for his class, and he's going to take for his uh, humanities elective, I believe, a philosophy... Philosophy 150. Philosophy like 150 with Professor Kevin Sorbo. That's the actor, not the character's name. And the guy kind of guiding the uh, check-ins sees, notices his sees the cross, the cross in his sees neck, the and he's like, shirt. ooh, you might want to think about yeah. getting a different professor. I, it's like you're walking right into, into the, the lion's den. The snake pit, Which is so for viewers that uh, Kevin Sorbo was best known as Hercules yes. back in the day. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen him in person. He is a huge man, and now I feel bad about not making fun of him when I, I saw thought, him. I was hoping you'd say that he had the class you say mythology. You're and disappointed. Be, I, that's what I wanted to say. I am, I am very disappointed. <laughs> so then we're going to talk about Greek mythology. So he warns him away from this class, giving him kind of a, eh, you're, you're in trouble, kid. Professor Radisson is the name Radisson. of the, of you the guy You know what? Here. But let me just say, bothering with any names in this film <laughs> is completely useless because they are all stock characters. Mm-hmm. Every single person in this film, it's like McGee and Me meets Commedia dell'arte. Okay? We are just dealing with stock. That's two references. Those were some that, deep references yeah. you just put uh, together there. Like, but somebody's going to somebody is going to get that and they're going to really appreciate yeah. it. Just <laughs> stock characters. You have the evil atheist professor, you have the the good Christian boy, you have the overbearing girlfriend, you have or the controlling girlfriend, the Asian kid, um, the Muslim girl, what? the gotcha so reporter, the Asian the kid gotcha who, reporter, who, who, the the crazy leftist gotcha reporter. Right. And, and uh, so he signs up for this class. Meanwhile, we cut back to a couple other scenes. There is a young Muslim woman being driven to class by her father who's well driving, making sure her headscarf is properly yeah. covering her. And he drops her off at school. And she, once she gets on campus, removes her headscarf. Right. Like when she's clear, when she knows that her father's already Dad's passed. at least three feet away. She takes it off. And also this reporter who's – guys, it's so funny. Her alarm has not gone off, and she wakes up late. And then nothing goes right for this reporter. She gets out to her car, and her window has been smashed, and someone but we, stole her But we GPS. noticed that it says American Humanist or yes. something. And she has the same sticker. bumper stickers that Dave has. Yes. <laughs> she has three bumper stickers on the back of her car, American Humanist. Um, I heart vegetarians and meat is murder. So I was wondering during the movie, did they get someone like a humanist friend of theirs to <laughs> have this car, car, or did they put that on their Christian car and then yeah. just take it off after the movie? <laughs> so she is running late because she is going to ambush interview. I kid you not, the guy from Duck Dynasty. Oh, Willie. Willie from Duck Dynasty. 
at playing himself mm-hmm. and his own wife playing his wife. Could that have been also a reason for the for the high amount of turnout? Is since Duck Dynasty has a lot of play that they would say go see this guy in the movie. I, I want to say, are they producers on this? I feel like they had know. other credits on this, but maybe not. There was someone credited with apologetics research in the <laughs> I, I, opening credits, who which I have that? never seen. The name? Well, they should be fired. I don't because I, <laughs> I I just saw it long enough to go. Wait, who was that? And I turned to Justin. Oh, he had missed it too. But um, so reporter lady is on her way to ambush Willie from Duck Dynasty, and she can't get directions, so she calls Superman Dean Kane. I'll refer to him either as Dean Kane from this point on, yeah. or the egoist, because yes, he's right. kind of our Ayn Randian type atheist totally. in this film, and he's a big <laughs> stock market finance guy. He does something that's very important and involves money. And every every bit of reasoning he employs is based on self interest, but it's what none of it's of none of it's yeah. in his head. All of it's done audibly all, yes. in front of everyone else <laughs> as he calculates. Well, would it be in my best interest? I to, would come over and help you, but you're yeah. a moocher on society, which yeah. drags everyone down. Yeah. So it's not really moral for me to help you. Well, out. I would help you with that, but what's in it for me? And, and then no, these he types of things. Says he that. Says yeah. when, when I was kidding. Yeah. Four directions. He no, actually says, "What's actually in it for me?" That. And she says, "She laughs and goes, huh, you're kidding. You're not kidding.' And it's one of those. Yep. <laughs> so." Um, she eventually ambushes Willie and his wife from Duck Dynasty and confronts them about what? About the fact that their duck calls help people kill ducks. What do you and think it, about people who find it so offensive that you openly pray to Jesus? Oh yes, that on you your openly show. pray to Jesus on your show. Well, that's all that people find that's offensive. That's just us being us, you know. And they're yeah. so sticking to these stereotypes that they don't even notice the contradictions of the stereotypes they're using. Mm-hmm. So the Gotcha reporter is like there to surprise them and pull out a confession and shove that an iPhone he in is face. a duck hunter. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is not at all a special fact, but you know, they have to play to mm-hmm. their they have to keep their stereotypes the, intact. The evil liberal reporter. Yeah. And um, then cut back to uh, Josh Wheaton's first day in philosophy class where professor Evil atheist professor Kevin Sorbo comes out and starts off the semester. The very first thing he addresses. First thing <laughs> is by by just basically saying, look, it's a decided fact. God does not exist. Let's skip over that chunk of the syllabus because apparently he decides his, his um, syllabus based on what the students want to talk about. We're just going to skip over that and get on to more important things. Here's a list of all of the famous atheists in history our writers could come up with, who's on the list? Um, Bertrand Russell, all the way down to Richard Dawkins and Noam Chomsky. Right. All of these – and Sigmund Freud, uh, Nietzsche, all of these people. They're all atheists. They're all brilliant. They've decided God is dead. Therefore, what I want you all to do, class, is take this piece of paper, write God is dead on it. And sign it. Yeah. And only if they reach unanimous consensus can they continue with the class. Otherwise, <laughs> they'll have to trudge through the old dusty arguments. And, and, and he sets this up. Get yeah. the lowest grade. If you write anything that goes against the professor's viewpoint, yes. of course you're going to fail the class. Right. 
And so he's – that's why they're not doing the God unit is because apparently too many students would fail, yeah, of I guess. I should, I should confess that I fantasized about running the show like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, of course, everyone in the class, some looking a bit hesitant but going, well, I need to get this grade. Yeah. Um, write it out except our hero, good old Josh Wheaton. He can't sign it. And Kevin Sorbo says, I don't care if you go home and bow to your knees and cry to your God after class. What you do in your own time is your business. But here in class, we're going to acknowledge that God is dead. But he can't do it. He cannot bring himself to do it. So the deal is struck for the next three class periods. Josh will get 20 minutes at the end of each class period in which to prove the existence of God. And the students will be the jury. Meanwhile, there's some unrelated scenes about this uh, Rev Dave, uh, pastor at some kind of church, who's hanging out with a missionary who just came home f- or came back from Africa. Um, and I'm wondering where where all Rev Dave's stuff goes. But Josh meets up with Rev Dave, who gives him advice like read Matthew. What is it? Matthew ten. 23 and Reverend, Reverend Dave is kind of our, um, our stand-in for the Bible. In his personal moments, he's one of the more likable characters because yeah. he's a sweet, compassionate yeah. guy. Really, his function in the movie is just there to read a scripture verse when it needs to be heard. Right. And he – see, Rev Dave is frustrated. That's the way his name comes up on the text screen, Rev Dave. He's frustrated because he knows he's doing good work, but he doesn't really feel like he's doing important Right. He's in an office talking to people. He's not a missionary winning souls for Christ in hostile areas. So he feels like he could be doing more. But the point of Rev. Dave is God's put him there for a reason. Yes, absolutely. And uh, by the way, everyone in this movie is very good at extremely long quotations with no uh, referencing them first. Like in the class. Excellent. Student whips out a quote from uh, Richard Dawkins, I think. (laughs) Kevin Sorbo's got a Stephen Hawking quote in the chamber. Everybody argues through texts. Yeah, Yeah, big time. Um, So then it begins and Josh has to do his 20 minute pre- presentation his girlfriend his over controlling girlfriend oh, yeah, yeah. is against him doing this just sign the thing or drop the class because this messes with our plans i've got the next 80 years of our lives planned out she incidentally is the only negative portrayal of a christian at all and it's yeah. and it's not that negative it's more just she's usurping the man's authority here and making yes. rules for their for their life well don't they need to, to use her as a stand in for the audience of not to be a judas mm-hmm. and not to be a denier yes absolutely of- and and she says to him, look who's more important in your life me or kevin sorbo and he says well maybe it's, it's god, god. so he he takes on the challenge he's studying up on his philosophy but Sidebar. One of my favorite things is every time Kevin Sorbo announces what the next class is going to be about and he gives the readings, the readings have, have nothing, nothing to do with, with the, the topic. topic. Nothing at all. <laughs> Completely unrelated. Just like they had a list of philosophers' Descartes, readings and they right? had a list Hume? of things that might he be said, on a syllabus. Yeah, he was and like, yeah, uh, it's just there's no connection between them at all. He's yeah. like, next class will be discussing uh, um, metaphysics. Metaphysics. Wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And I so forget what the now you're going to read Descartes. Hume's problem of induction yes. yeah. <laughs> and, and Descartes, I believe, yeah. is the other one. And also 
because of Mr. Wheaton. Which actually, those two readings would be a nice pair. But uh, not for that but, <laughs> Because they both deal yeah. with uncertainty to sure. some degree in, in our epistemology, but it has nothing to do with yeah. the topic he's proposing. And, and also Bertrand Russell's Why I'm Not a Christian. Because yeah, he tacks that Mr. on Wheaton's. in preparation for Mr. Wheaton's lecture. So, and then, of course, we see the um, the aggressively liberal reporter lady in a doctor's office. And my first thought was, oh, God, she's getting an abortion. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. going to get an abortion. Um, but no, it's better. She has cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you're very important, but the world may be telling you that it's going to move on without you. Dun, dun, dun. Muslim girl gets kind of yelled at by her dad because the people there don't believe or don't worship God the right way. That was a kind of endearing moment in the film that kind of made it look like it might. Her father picks her up, right? Mm-hmm. This is the scene. Her father picks her up, and obviously she's she's her, got her headscarf. She's back wrapped on. up again because yep. she doesn't want her father to know. He, I mean, she's she's quiet. She's timid. She like her father clearly can tell something's wrong, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Look, I know it's difficult living in their world, uh, but they these are people who don't." Uh, no God and all right, this, right? Yeah. And there's a, there, it's like a nice little moment they have. I, right? I've, I felt, I felt the same way. That was the point in the film where I was like, you know, this might evolve past some simple stereotypes yes. because we have here, yeah, it's hard assimilating or not assimilating right. into a culture right. that you're around, and uh, and the father, the, though initially depicted as very stern, mm-hmm. you know, comes across as legitimately sympathetic mm-hmm. dewy-eyed understanding that he's requiring quite a bit of sacrifices from his kids so i'm like this might evolve maybe right. because it's a religious figure even right. from a different religion mm-hmm. maybe they have sympathy for this and we're going to see this plot line develop some depth and sensitivity to yeah. but no my, uh, my not hope in the end. was that it was going to be a story about being true to your faith which is you know what Josh Wheaton is doing. He's being true to his faith, even against opposition. So I was hoping that at the end she was going to embrace her headscarf. She was going to embrace her Muslim heritage and and accept that this is who she was. This is what she believed. And the people around her who, who disagreed would just have to accept her for who she was. That's what I was hoping right. for. A, a religious pluralist kind of... Exactly. We'll find out what actually <laughs> happened. So... After the first day where um, he gives his lecture um, in which he explains uh, the Big Bang in a a very impressively made PowerPoint. (laughs) These are like amazing. Really good (laughs) that he slapped together overnight. Um, And uh, then Kevin Sorbo confronts him with this lengthy Stephen Hawking quote and basically saying, Stephen Hawking is the smartest person who has ever lived and he doesn't believe God created the world. So what's wrong with you, dumbass? And that's essentially it. He's also got a goatee, so he looks like a villain anyway. And Josh's very honest response is, I, I don't know how to respond to that yet. I'm not familiar with that argument. Yep. I don't know how. Which is never the response, by the way. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, then he gets out in the hallway after the class, and, and the professor runs up oh, to him. Yeah. Grabs him by the shoulder, spins the kid around, and says, "You think you're smarter yeah. than me?" Really high drama here oh, over yeah. some pretty low stakes situations. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> there is no God, but in that class, there is a God. That's me. <laughs> it's me. It's well, me. Actually, wait, I have said that. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I have had professors who have said that before. Um, they were theater teachers, but still, um, <laughs> it goes from God to the provost to the dean to the chair. 
to me <laughs> and to you. Yeah. Um, so now this is about the point where I had to run out. Now we're left with two more days where Will has to give lectures. Yeah. And hopefully win over his classmates to accepting that God exists. The atheist doesn't actually make any arguments in this film. Mm-mm. All Sorbo's character ever does is make appeals to authority. There's an element of projection here because, in fact, I think most of this film should be read as oh, projection. Every, every moment of it, it. These are Christians who don't really understand how atheists think. And they're kind of reading in their own methodology mm-hmm. into because the atheist really makes his case the way the way a lot of evangelists would yeah, you flip in the roles entirely and you have yeah. Matthew Mark Luke and John written on his board instead of yeah. you know he uh, continually proof texts famous philosophers mm-hmm. by quoting them at length he takes those as authoritative and so if anyone challenges the substance of those claims, he quickly takes this. How dare, how dare you posture? In the history of the world. You think you're somebody, but you're nobody compared to this huge mind. And and we later see Sorbo, of course, uh, consulting with his his other professor friends, incredulous the whole time about you know how is it that they felt they could question Richard Dawkins? I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> that was like the most horrifying thing about the movie for me is that. The audience we were with, this is what they imagine college life is like. Yeah. This is this is what well, it is. This is right. the poor Christians being persecuted by the secular world. Wasn't this them. this archetype based upon stories that have been circulated for a while anyway? Like those things you get from grandma, like the stu- the brave student in the college professor's yes. class. So this is a yeah. thing. Yes. Sometimes it's like a Marine who gets up and punches the and professor. punches the professor. So did they yeah. – uh, my question is did the script get based on that? Like – from. Yeah, what I is, think I think the... this is kind of taking an urban myth of the atheist professor, blowing it up into a fable. I don't think there was any source material that they had to be too true to. Just this notion of yeah, the the atheist the professor document. who starts off by saying God is dead, and yes. there's not much in the way of argumentation even on the Christian side. The arguments seem to be a, a kind of cosmological. Pseudo Kalam cosmological argument: something had to create the universe. So it begins with accepting the notion of the Big Bang, and, and, and that the Big Bang represents the creation of the universe yes. out of nothing. Which is a atheist student, I suppose, quotes Richard Dawkins as saying, "Well, then, what created God?" As if you needed Richard Dawkins to supply you that exactly. quote. <laughs> but they just have to throw that in no, as no much as possible. No one has a thought of their own. It's right. all appeals to authority. Again, the idea is, right, these people are reading Richard Dawkins and taking it as dogma. It's, again, projection. Uh, A lot of atheists don't approach books in that way. (laughs) Response is given, well, what created God? And then just dodged. And he says, well, we believe in an uncreated God, so that's not a problem for us. (laughs) And I would turn the question back on Mr. Dawkins and say, what created Dawkins? Yes. His parents? I mean, are we missing the obvious here? Was that? Well, no, his point was, uh, you know, if the universe created Dawkins, where did the universe come from? We both have to answer this question. Right, yeah. I yeah. could tell that was a theme was we're all answering the same question. It's just a we choice. We just have a better answer. Yeah. yeah. Probably the primary argument that was used. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've talked about this on the on the show before. We all agree here, I think, more or less, that there probably has to be some sort of necessary existence. Things just 
coming out of nothing doesn't make any kind of logical sense. I believe so, Stephen Hawking said something like that. Yeah, I, I would even, <laughs> I would even, I would even agree with uh, with where he started going with that, which is both the atheist and the theist have the same problem or the same thing to explain away. Right, yeah. that that there has to be something that just exists. Whereas I would usually take that argument is to say, well, then. Positing matter or energy or something like what we observe in the physical world is the simpler solution, Mm. that that is not as complex as positing a god with these attributes of omnipotence, omniscience, and so on, which makes it infinitely, literally infinitely more complex than just sticking with matter or energy. In other words, the, the theist is taking the same position as the atheist, only adding an extra step, an extra concept well, that needs the, to be explained so, or justified. So, uh, so Morriston uh, points out that even if it was the case that the atheist believed that something came from absolutely nothing, uh, it doesn't actually solve any problem to posit that a god is the one who's doing this, right? So he he says, look, it might be really strange and counterintuitive to think about a log cabin popping into existence in the middle of a forest somewhere. But it's no less strange than to think that a lumberjack was there and built it out of no building materials whatsoever right, right. and just, like, built a log just cabin, made right? a log cabin. <laughs> out yeah. of nothing. Yeah. So it doesn't and actually solve a problem. Right. The, uh, so the Big Bang did reveal that the universe was created and it had a beginning, mm-hmm. whereas Aristotelian-inspired metaphysics viewed the world as kind of a steady state. That's right. And so then comes the declaration— well, so you see, the Bible had it right uh, <laughs> for thousands, for of, thousands years. of years while science had, science it wrong. had it wrong. And Kevin Sorbo noticeably gets nervous while listening mm-hmm. to this. Like, he has never heard this idea before. He yeah, doesn't know how You can how see to him swallowing his, his uh, throat. Implying that he's never even waded into these waters. Oh my God, oh, even. Or, or he found the one chink in our armor. My God. Yeah. Never, uh, never mind that the in the beginning in Genesis is actually a mistranslation. It doesn't at all imply creation out of nothing. It's creation out of pre-existing formless void. Yeah, yeah. And the next verse has God's uh, face moving upon the the surface of the waters, yeah. uh, imitating that myth, the that mythology from yeah. the Enuma Elish that there was this and countless other cultures initial really matter for that. the Creator to work with. So actually, yeah. if we look at the situation described in Genesis, it very much has the idea of some sort of steady state Aristotelian of of matter. But that's where they leave it, right? This kind of really big statement that science, uh, that the Bible predicted the true outcome, (laughs) which includes, you know, light being created before stars and that sort of thing. No no mention of the details. Day created before... Yeah. Before the sun is day and created, night before the days. Yeah. I had the yeah. same argument given in my uh, my debate at, at Michigan uh, last week, mm-hmm. where he's like, "The Bible predicted it for how long?" And, and science just now discovers oh. this, and I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me!" But, so I read a great quote from the Oxford Commentary to show him how yeah, that appeal to isn't actually Good. the case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as other arguments, Sorbo doesn't really present the argument from evil. He just whines about it a lot, mm-hmm. all the nasty things that happen in this world. So what's presented then as the knockdown argument to that is just free will theodicy. And it's pretty much mm-hmm. presented just like that. Well, free will just takes care of all of it. And we create suffering. There's no mention of natural evil or yeah. any of the problems with the free will theodicy. And Kevin Sorbo is completely stumped, of course. 
Yes, he has yeah, no. He, never, he doesn't bring that. He doesn't bring that up that the free will, the Odyssey doesn't apply there, but. Because their apologetics researcher was not very good. Because <laughs> he's not interested. He didn't know how to answer that. No. What's amazing is we're almost entirely through all the movie's arguments That's for it. God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other one was um, this very strange scene where they're alluding to the Cambrian explosion oh, in the yes. context of evolution. And they Wait, show. Were they arguing against evolution too? Uh, it was unclear from the movie oh. because they seemed to evoke it yeah. and kind of argue against it at the same time. Yeah. They'd use the kind of cosmic calendar analogy, only yeah. they put it on a clock, trying to say that for most of the hours on the clock, then there were only the simplest forms of life. And then suddenly there's this moment where everything just pops into existence. Uh, presumably, right, I, I'm not wrong in thinking Just that's the Cambrian explosion that they're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the movie isn't Young Earth Creationism that promotes an intelligent design. Well, well even the then I'm not clear because the, the next line was the fossil record shows what the Bible would predict, a bunch of things becoming coming into existence all around the same time, right? I mean, that was the yeah, implication. Yeah. Then he says, well, so... Could it be that maybe God was directing the whole thing? It's left there. Mm. <laughs> and then the very – which – so, so from the Cambrian explosion is – just has to do with once organisms evolved and you get Hox genes and certain mm. things that organisms could start evolving more rapidly at that point. It did ramp up the speed of – Mutations and he didn't want to piss off either of the creation. That's exactly or what I was thinking. Intelligent yeah. design people. I feel and so like it, it was trying to just, ride that fence. It yeah. agreed just to ignore that so that they can. They didn't together. want to use the word evolution. They 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 referred to Darwin. How Darwin said that nature doesn't jump, and then they're like, but what we see is that it does. Because mm-hmm. I notice often that that creationists as, or young Earth creationists and intelligent designers will call a truce as long as they have the. Darwinian evolutionists to argue against, right, right. which sort of doesn't address any of the issues that still separate mm-hmm. them as mm-hmm. in, well, God guided evolution. No, he did it in six days, you know, so they never have to fight about it because they always have a greater external enemy. In yeah. the- it made it sound like to me that Genesis was describing the Cambrian explosion. So when God creates them in their kinds, it's during so this Ken particular Hamlet, period. Like day three. Yeah. That was the kind of implication. Now, one kind of good move that I appreciated he made, even though it's a bit of a straw man, but it it does get used. Kevin Sorbo's defense of the cosmological argument, uh, again, was to say he quoted Stephen Hawking as saying that the universe did pop into existence out of nothing. And the universe created itself because it needed to be created. The young Christian points out that this is rather ignorant and has a quote saying that just because some – fancy pants scientific person says it's true doesn't mean it's true he yeah. quotes someone saying just because John yeah, Lennox. A- appeals to authority <laughs> yeah and it's irony uh, levels yeah it's, and while sorbo is you know waxing on like you're gonna say that hawking is wrong he points out a quote from hawking's uh, stephen hawking where he says philosophy is dead yeah and points out well if you're gonna be a slavishly adhere to what Hawking says, then what's the point of being in this class? No, I actually kind of enjoyed that because I (laughs) get really annoyed by the kind of metaphorical language that's attached to physics Mm -hmm. where we don't really mean the universe came out of nothing. We mean it came out of fluctuations in quantum gravity or vacuum energy. We don't really mean truly out of nothing. Mm. 
And so that language is misleading. And, you know, if you're going to use that kind of language, people should call you out on it. And the atheists occasionally do. And so I, I did rather enjoy that that was – and I also get really annoyed at some uh, some atheists in our community who continually disparage philosophy as yeah. being useless or unimportant. And, and Which is philosophical oh, statements, by the way. I mean, come on. I mean, that's – You get your philosophy degree – with an order of fries, am I right? Uh, you can get some of the less informed people to be on your side and think you're cool for saying that. But to all of us who are aware of the history of philosophy and science, it's kind of an embarrassing thing to it affirm. Is. Certainly it's, not my actual side. It's, but, it's yeah. like putting up a flag and saying I don't really know history. Yeah, exactly. It is an embarrassing thing that people on our side occasionally say and it should be brought out and mocked, I Absolutely. think, openly. And uh, so they were asking for it and got it. So I rather appreciated. I rather appreciated that that aspect of the movie, but yeah, no no real substantive debate beyond that. So how does it end then? With um, he's got these three class periods with which to convince his class. Does he? Well, at the very end of their little battle, yeah. What we eventually learn is that Sorbo's real reasons for being an atheist. Oh. And they have nothing to do with his intellectual life. Relationship with his father? His mother, mother. actually. Oh, mother. Oh, okay. His right. mother died of cancer mm. when he was young. Mm. And so – and he reads a uh, – as he's uh, – apparently one thing that Sorbo does is he affectionately goes through his stack of letters of papers of students writing God is dead. And he, <laughs> yeah, it's he beautiful, apparently likes to scene. count these and gaze upon them lovingly. The, to bring the saline tears out of them and then drop them into his mouth. Yes, and, and in one of these nights where he's you know torn and – his his own relationship is breaking apart. He's you know leafing through these things and pulls out the letter from his mother that he never opened apparently. Right, oh. and and it's about how uh, God wants she wants to live to see God's plan play out in his life, but you know unfortunately she, or she's going to die from cancer. And so they're going back and forth about the problem of evil, right? Mm-hmm. And he's uh, and he goes, "You didn't prove anything at the very end of this, right?" And he's like, "Maybe so." And he's like, who are you trying to fail in this class? Are you trying to fail me or are you trying to fail God? Well, what does that even mean? At that I, I point, it's hard to understand who, what's who going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. This but, all pretense of argument has been yeah, lost at yeah. that point. But you get to the point where he says, um, why do you hate God? Right? And he's just yelling this and he's walking up to the, to the uh, professor and just yelling louder and louder and louder. Why do you hate God? And then he returns finally. Because he took everything. <laughs> yeah. He took everything from me. So this fits into the whole thing of atheists aren't really and atheists. They just hate yes, God. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. We then, pulled back the curtain and, and then, the wizard uh, is just this kind of whimpering person who's missing surprised. his dead mommy. And then he yeah. gets the killer line, how can you hate something that you don't believe in? Ooh, everybody silence. in the theater Cheering, clapping. For real? Like both times you saw it? Well, the time he saw it. The The, the time time I saw it, they were audibly saying, go Jesus. The time we saw it, it was like a poignant silence. Like, yeah, let that sink in. My favorite reaction in the theater, though, was the first time uh, Kevin Sorbo introduces the word atheist. Did you hear the woman gasp? (gasps) (laughs) Wait, what's this movie about? Legitimately heard a woman go, oh. No, really, I have a genuine question. So people in the theater while they were watching this, it was sort of like there was a, a blow-by-blow, and when their side made a point, they would, like, give little cheers yes. and stuff? Yes, yeah. yes. 
So there, there's audience participation. Yes. People are snarky laughter, cheers, everything. Like, yeah, every time a nothing, really bad I, point was made, nothing people ironic rejoiced. laughter at the, at no. the characters. Just like, us. That was just, a, just us. <laughs> okay, so he wins. Right, I take it. Then the students are overwhelmed by his argument, and they yeah, they oh, all yeah. stand up one dead. by they all stand up one by one and starting with the Asian kid. God is not dead. Yes, yeah. Starting with the Asian kid who has grown grew oh, up okay. in a uh, communist country. I got country. questions about Asian kid. Yeah. So yeah. he tested out of out of uh, math or something. Oh, he tested out of like. Stereotypical things. It was pretty funny because he, when he enrolls right at the same time that Josh yeah. does, yeah. and his license says um, uh, PRC, and the girl's like PRC. What's that? The People's Republic of China. Of course, I'm like, oh my god, he's Chinese. Mm-hmm. This is gonna get good because, of course, the Chinese hate Christians. Right. That's that's part of the Christian. Uh, idea of yeah. the rest of the world is... So the plot with him is he's continually texting his father about this and being like, do you remember those people who had the secret church in their house is he near texting us? them in English? Yeah. yeah uh, okay. So do you remember the people who had this secret Christian church? Well, we're hearing arguments right now about for the existence of God, and they're pretty persuasive. And of course, the father disapproves and is like, we're not having this conversation. And that's pretty much as deep as that gets. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, not much develops there. So nothing nothing more with the... Uh... After Sorbo's climactic defeat, yes. where he's been embarrassed and humiliated in front of everybody. Does and this, he cry? And, uh, um, well, he's going through a lot of emotional yeah, stuff okay, at that sure, time. Yeah, sure, of course. Because uh, his girlfriend left him as well. Oh. And, For uh, other reasons. Kevin Sorbo has got to yeah. be emoting all that he can emote at yeah. this point. I yeah. jokingly turned to Ed Brayton, who was sitting next to me, and I said, wouldn't it be great if he just walked across the street right now and got hit by a semi or something in Monty Python fashion? <laughs> Like, like, the atheist walks off into the sunset and gets creamed. Right. So, so the night of the last lecture, uh, the Asian kid walks up to him. He's like, "I really liked the, you know, what you did." And and he's like, "Hey, man!" And then he gives him two tickets to tonight's Newsboys concert. All right. And so mm-hmm. the entire town, just pretty much the entire Goes town, the it seems, just concert? just just circles in on the arena. Of course. And there's so it's the Newsboys at a giant arena. Like a real band selling out. <laughs> but actually, if you look closely, you can see that uh, the camera, when it moves to the side a little bit, you can see that the side bleachers are completely empty. And it's just the floor. <laughs> yeah. I noticed this during the... But uh, yeah, so everyone's there. And, uh, and Sorbo, just after he opens that letter from his mother or whatever... You know, he's like, oh, he he wants to make things right with his with his ex girlfriend, who's at the Newsboys concert. Yeah, and of so course. he notices that it's the God's Not Dead tour, the Newsboys on the paper, yes, on the newspaper which I noticed desk. on the the ticket that they prominently displayed earlier right. when mm-hmm. when. Um, so then he Josh runs out of the house for his girlfriend. Runs, yeah. you know, he's running out, runs out of the house, you know, heading toward the arena because this is where like the end scene of the movie, right? He, he can't drive there. He's got to run. There. Well, he, it's I, a college I, town, you know. You yeah, walk. Yeah, okay, sure, right. And uh, as Jeremy would predict... Uh, yeah, he gets hit by a car. And, like, he gets hit by the Ayn Rand atheist. Kane? <laughs> yes. Who so drives off. Who doesn't even pause. He just keeps driving. <laughs> keeps driving. So this has been, like, causality through time has been yes. guiding both of them to this yeah, moment. These two separate stories To illustrate converge. their characters about... And God, God manipulated... 
past Reverend Dave's travel plans to make sure he couldn't go to Disney World. Right, because that was, that uh, was in his order conflict. that he could be right there when Kevin Sorbo was hit by the car and evangelize him. Give him his last rites. And, and Sorbo, right till the end, is kind of dickish about the whole thing. <laughs> but, he's like, so he's but dying. As he's accepting Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, he's dickish about it. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, that's kind of how it is. Like, oh, God, all right. But And then there's this uh, there's this little moment. So he's he's dead. Uh, yeah, okay. And uh, hey, he got what was coming to him, and his uh, and he died in a pretty nasty way. His uh, rib cage was crushed, and he was being filled with blood and trying to use his last precious breath of life to insult God just a little bit more before accepting him. Killed by the other evil atheist yeah. in the movie. Yeah. So the two, uh, the missionary and Reverend Dave, stand over his lifeless body, smiling, and it is said that while well, that suffering was 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 just for a moment, but now there's great joy in heaven. Good job, the blood's boys. The blood's not even dry, and they've already moved on and are in, enjoying that. And and at, and that's at during the Newsboys concert at the same time this is going on. The Duck Dynasty person tells everybody to text everyone in the contacts on their phone, <laughs> God's not dead. And then a million people, because there's 10,000 people in the arena, of a million course. people will, will see these. Yeah, yeah. And what pops up on Kevin Sorbo's phone right at that moment, as he's dead on the ground, God's not dead. From so his you ex-girlfriend. See, but, but you the are. atheist professor is dead. And what popped, up, God, what popped yeah. up on Jeremy's phone later that night? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's God's what I got. Not dead, but apparently he's not watching I, like traffic patterns. I started either, trying so. to write a snarky reply, and I'm just like, f*** it. I gotta, not, don't have time for this. Oh my god! And uh, the Gotcha Reporter. Um, oh yeah, what what happens to? She uh, she goes in to try to trash the newsboys the same way that, uh, but then can't keep up the pretense and blurts out that she's dying, and they all get around her and the crouch down, too? and yeah, yeah. And they they with <laughs> right the, before they go hand on, on her thigh, pray with her that she'll be saved, and yeah, and the people are trying to get them on stage and like this is a little more important, guys. Uh-huh. And uh, hey, the newsboys. Yeah. Those are some some good boys. They know yeah. what's important. The the Muslim girl, after confessing to her father uh, that she was a Christian, or rather, well, it being uh, exposed that okay. she was a Christian. Yeah. So she's a she's a Christian. The reason she doesn't want to wear a headscarf is not because she she's secretly listening to Christian podcasts in her yeah. bedroom. Franklin Graham it turns out. Franklin Graham and her brother finds out. Are you yeah. Yeah. yeah, her this brother finds out and yep. tells her father, and he freaks out, smacks her in the face, pretty much throws her down the stairs and kicks her out of the house. Yeah, the last scene, their last moment together is his hands around her throat, contemplating whether or not he should choke her to death, yeah. presumably, and eventually just deciding to go back inside and not actually. And then he choke breaks down death. by himself on the yeah. stairs and cries, but because she became a Christian. It's yeah, an intense scene. Yep. So. Movie ends up being a little one-sided, is what you're saying. Yeah, is uh-huh. that uh, is that how it shakes out? Yeah, and then of course she goes to Rev Dave, and that's you know, he's he takes her under his wing. Of course, it's implied though that uh, she and uh, Josh Wheaton will end up fucking eventually. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> kind of implied. Yeah. Well, what what like, happens with his over-controlling girlfriend? Oh, they they uh, uh, she dumps him. What? Yeah, because because he that. lied or. Because he get he gets because up he off stood the school up for his bench. Faith? No, no, get yes. this. 
they, he, they were arguing, right? And and she kind of just told him that you can't, you shouldn't be pursuing this this debate thing. Don't do it. It's it's a it's an affront to our relationship, right? Yeah. And then uh, and then like the next time they hang out, he gets up off the bench, and a bunch of like theology and like science books yeah. like fall out on the floor, and she's like, "What? You're still doing this? Where did you learn this?" Yeah. And so I she ends it. Watching you. Yeah. As the credits roll on this film. Preceding the credits is an incredibly long list of court cases dealing with discrimination towards Christians yeah. or in just a huge colleges. List. Yes, me. and um, it goes on and on and Which on is and weird, on because the movie has nothing to do with legal cases against Christians. Well, it said it's dedicated to those who stand up for their faith in these contexts. Now, almost all of those Except court cases, Muslims. talking about that with Ed Brayton afterwards, because yes. uh, he's really into church-state cases, mm-hmm. he said nearly all of those cases involved campus groups. They're they chartered. They gay members. Yeah, their charter didn't fit the anti-discrimination rules on a lot of campuses. Whether or not those are real issues, the, the what it's trying to indicate is... Poor Christians yeah. were being persecuted. And it's not really that people are being put down in the classroom for having a faith position. It had more to do with campus groups and their policies right. towards others. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch yeah. to try to bring that. But of course... You know, you wouldn't get that from just looking at the names of the cases. But yes, as a philosophy professor who is an atheist, I'll tell you what I do with my students. I take a poll of the class after we're done discussing the God unit and I ask them just by guessing, where do you think I lie on this issue? Do you think I'm an atheist, an agnostic or a theist? And I just take a vote by a show of hands. Every single year I've done this. More people in the class think I am a theist hmm. than think I'm an atheist. The biggest numbers are agnostic and theist. Wow. You know, one or two students in class think I'm an atheist. I do that to try to keep myself honest yeah. in the sense that if, if I am abusing the power of the podium to push my own viewpoint and my bias is detectable in what I'm teaching, I want to change that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you ever go, gotcha? (laughs) Well, it it is kind of a gotcha moment when I reveal that I am an atheist because many of them are indeed surprised. They don't – they didn't see that coming. Do you pull a mask off like this? Yeah. (laughs) I've been an atheist all along. And I I use that as a segue into talking about the statistics about atheists, uh, public attitudes about what atheists are like and how they are not really representative of – your typical atheist. And then I end with, you know, a call to have friendly discussions about these things. It's really so the the point of my class at least is to be the exact opposite, to say we can cover we can cover all these issues, we can treat them fair mindedly, we can be critical. Mm-hmm. And that's how we advance our knowledge. Yeah. Do you deal with issues with religious kids in your class? I occasionally do and they're It's usually not that bad, but the problem that I encounter sometimes in classes is uh, students who turn in homework or papers where they they refuse to actually engage the assignment. They won't answer. So like we have a question on free will Mm -hmm. and something about what variant of compatibilism we're talking about that day and whether or not you think it works or survives these critiques. And I will have students who will just answer their paper by saying, well, Hebrews – Chapter 10 Mm. verse something or another says this. So I believe in free will and that's the end of the discussion. 
in those situations, I do have to write comments on their papers, but I, I don't – I make it clear to them I never would mark you down for sharing a religious position or one I disagree with. It's just because in a sense they're, they're cheating almost. Yeah. You know, the rest of the students have to engage these issues mm-hmm. and reason through them and they feel like the fact that they have a theological position on it excuses them from discussion. Right. Yeah. Well, what and, is there to reason if you have a moral well, system based upon – They can still step into the arguments and, and share the reasons well, for or against. They can still support it on the basis of the arguments and they learn that in philosophy, that's what we do. And honestly, they never learn that religion is off topic in philosophy. We talk about it all the time. They never say – they never learn that they can't hold a position on these matters or share that position. It's just they are expected to do the assignments that – and almost all the time if that happens, the students are pretty good about handling it. I even get apologies. I get people coming up and saying, I'm so sorry. Like you don't have to be. The, you, right. you, you answered the way you're familiar answering and I told you why no, you need I'm to do more to and it's OK. And what's, what's sad is that's kind of a real issue that philosophy professors face sometimes is dealing with the religious students trying to disrupt class or avoid the assignments and stuff. But that can get twisted around into making it look like persecution. <laughs> One of my axioms is and never account not. for a theolo- – never define something as theological pushback, which could be easy, easy, more easily explained by laziness. That's, yeah. That's my axiom. Well, and that could be the case too. Yeah. So you don't make your students sign a paper saying God is dead uh, in the And I can't imagine that – you know. You could never get away with this. No Jeremy, way. he's tenured. Yeah. He can do anything he if wants. There, if we had a oh, Sorbo – yeah. yeah. That oh, was I the, wish. It was, the idea was like the academy is all involved in this, right? But like the – one of the scenes you missed, Dave, was a dinner party where all the atheists get – or where all the faculty get together. Did they have roast baby? No, but the Christian girl that Sorbo is dating ends up – You didn't say that yet. <laughs> let, let me guess though. They're not living together, right? Because no, they are. Are they really? Yeah, I think so. Because that's, what it's implied, that's kind of glossed over. Okay, because they don't really. They're very like everything is very chaste. There's no swearing in the movie. There's no other than beating up the poor Muslim girl. I'm sorry, I, I heard you swear, so there was swearing. Yeah, that's true. There was a, a fair <laughs> amount of swearing in in my viewing of the movie. Is well. First of all, she leaves the the wine on the front seat of the car. The it's a red wine, and so it gets baked in the sun, so it doesn't oh. taste as good. And that's the you know, we have the social elite right who are foodies and everything else, and cannot believe that this woman would do something like leave a bottle of wine out. Perhaps she could change some water into a new bottle. Of wine. <laughs> And so uh, we're establishing how snooty and elitist this group is. But then when she reveals that she is a Christian, of course, it kind of sends a ripple effect, a shock throughout. Everybody's kind of looking at each other like, really? That was the ultimate social faux pas is to admit that she's religious. Which and clearly, then if, if you were sitting in the movie theater in Grand Rapids, uh, that is definitely the last thing you want to acknowledge is, is being a Christian. Right. <laughs> The Im- implication is that all of the higher academy are just atheists, okay. and well, and it's embarrassing. And there are no religious people that's what I'm in trying the to, academy. To get as the subtext of of who this is intended for. This is intended for Christians who who have an inferiority complex mm-hmm. among 
and a persecution the elite complex. situations of the world where they know they're getting their ass kicked, like the universities, the press, because they've created their own sort of echo chamber. They win their own battles, but they're scared of sending their kids to a venue where they're going to get their ass yeah. kicked. So the movie, correct me if I'm wrong, but the subtext is you have to stand up more and fight back when you're amongst these mm-hmm. those people there, and then you can win those fights. You don't have to run away I, from them. And, I can yeah. 100% guarantee that my alma mater, Grand Rapids Christian High, <laughs> will use this movie in religion classes as an example of you should be like this, uh, Josh Wheaton. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what was upsetting is because I don't think this is the reality of secular universities at all. It's, it flies against the face of – I mean the whole point of a philosophy class is to engage in no, no, different uh, perspectives. I mean, and the, the irony is is it's in Christian universities oftentimes where you're not allowed to express – the counterpoint. Right. I've taken philosophy classes at Christian colleges mm-hmm. and it was the it was the mirror version of what they were depicting a secular philosophy class to be like, mm. you know, where every little thing, you know, I remember when we got to pragmatism, it was all about how um, how William James believed in evolution and Darwin and so we must all just be products of evolution and and uh, and so of course whatever's true is whatever works, mm-hmm. and and it was pragmatism was boiled down to basically just that. And we get a little proof text every once in a while when we encounter a philosopher that says something counter to the Bible. If anywhere, if I've ever been in a philosophy class where there wasn't true freedom of intellect, where you really had to just repeat what the professor said or risk your status in that school, risk not graduating. Mm-hmm. It was in the Christian colleges I attended. Yeah. And many of the atheists there were underground because mm-hmm. we signed a faith statement before we even got into the school. Yeah, and you they reserved, a much more religious school. Yeah. Than, Our dean told like, us that they reserve the right to hold up the, you know, during our exit interview, they reserve the right to hold up our history at the college, our activities on campus, hold it up to the mission statement of the college, and if they don't feel we've lived up to that, yeah. they will not honor us with you, a degree. You couldn't have gotten. They away told with us that right arguing. when we walked in the door. But yeah. do, but do they actually? As, I mean, because clearly some sophisticated Christians are going to see this movie who will recognize the, the tropes and the cardboard aspect of this. Mm-hmm. I would hope. They, do they really believe? Do they genuinely believe that? I guess what I'm trying to ask is: Do do people that see the movie do they really think that that's what? A university I, philosophy classroom I, is like, or is that their sort of fear that it's like that? that walk through a Christian bookstore. There are all sorts of books on how to keep your faith no, when I've you heard, go to college. I've heard some students say that have come from Christian high schools that before they went to send the kids off to the secular university, they took like a class or whatever mm-hmm. of here's how to keep your faith in the secular world of a university. Sure. So is this sort of that sort of thing? I think yeah. so. Or, I mean, we would look at it as education is corrosive of faith. This right. isn't a kind of secular indoctrination uh, that they are receiving. It is just they're being exposed to different viewpoints and so they're framing uh, the, the – what we would say is that students getting exposed to critical thinking and education, they're framing that as being an attack on their faith. Yes, yes, yes. Very as much if so. there is this deliberate effort well, to undermine uh, Christians' faith when they attend a university. It, except to be fair, the it's, philosophy class is not set up as we're exposing you to new ideas. It is the ideas you came in here with are stupid. God is dead. Right. You're an idiot if you think different, right, but, which but is I, not the way – I so, think a lot of people think, think that. 
that's what it's so like. So when I say things yeah. like, I guess here's my question as a professor. When I say things like, um, you know, well, do you think that a morality based on authority is better than a consequentialist thing? Do they hear, you must be- believe what I believe? You know, do they hear a I think some of them to, do, yeah. yeah. I, well, and I think there's a difference between the people who are actually in the colleges and sending their kids to college. And I, I feel like this movie is more focused on the people who are not college educated, who uh, are scared to send their kids to college, and as a result of this movie, maybe we'll encourage them not to. Because yeah, I have that, had, that's scary. I don't I think this encourages like, kids to go to college where they can stand up for themselves. I think it encourages kids. Yeah. Education is poison. It'll, I've had it'll, a few it'll, times it, it where, people have compla- where people have complained or went to the chair or something like that and said, He's attacking our faith, mm-hmm. and when it, when he asked them to file the report, it turns out we read a study that showed that fundamentalists have you know lower critical thinking than whatever. We he showed right. us that study, therefore he's attacking our faith, and that's why I'm asking that question. Yeah. Do you really believe that when somebody presents something, what do you guys think of these arguments that they hear? You're stupid. And it, I think if they've been primed I, by films like this yep. or conservative radio or what they're reading in these books, yeah, they are going to interpret that as yep. uh, as an attack. Well, I'm disturbed by that. Yeah. Well, yeah. As, well you should be. I think this yeah. is – and that – I think that's why this movie is worth talking about. I yeah. mean, it's a terrible movie, although it apparently made enough money that they are planning a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that's well, going to be that like. Memes the article that they I pass it around themselves mm-hmm. and then say that there's like a, a rehearsal fantasy sort of thing. It's almost like you know a mythology archetype yeah. of the when you start to like Disney movies with a parental death. When you start to see the theme come up again and again, that speaks to some sort of underlying fear. Mm-hmm. And so clearly, among the Christian yeah. community, there's an underlying fear that that in secular context you will get bullied and get your ass kicked. Yeah. Luckily, I, we have the newsboys to save us. The the Gotcha reporter scenes were mm-hmm. a really good example of that because if the Gotcha reporter goes up to Duck Dynasty guy <laughs> and is is trying to you know how offensive it is on the show that they pray to Jesus. It is the most right. ridiculous I, yeah, thing I've I'm ever seen. Sure, a lot of people are offended at Duck Dynasty for that. No. Yeah. Uh, but do they, but the audience think that when they see that? that that's I the, think so. Right? Well, Absolutely. That's really the complaint that people have against Duck Dynasty? Uh, what I found, I, what I found interesting was the, the Duck Dynasty guy and his wife, they were – Unapologetic, yep. un, unupset, uncompromising. Even. They they weren't upset. They they dealt with this really graciously and were friendly towards her and everything else. And then when she left, he kind of turns to his wife and said, "Who was that?" Like as if this is yeah. not even a thing. It was just another opportunity right. to preach to someone. Whereas I think the whole reason why that was included is because people are often really hyperbolically react. Yes. To yeah. any accusation because of wrongdoing. Here's the thing: the flip side is we get, but know, we're being portrayed as the Christians are continually portrayed as above it. Yep, and uh, and not at all concerned. Headed and hey, my my treasure is in heaven, dude. Yeah, because I think, that but it's reacting because of the exact opposite. We recognize reason. what what the stereotype is of of us and what the criticism really is, and I'm just wondering if that's symmetrical. I think that's. I think there's probably a case to be made that it is. And uh, actually, I can bring up some psych articles. Oh, and you can make those say anything. I would love to to hear a reaction from a moderate or liberal Christian. Yeah, that's moment. what I'm asking for. I is mean, that really? This is is that that's what you think that the this is for is? the Jesus Camp crowd. I mean, and not even like it's not hardcore fundamentalist, but it's a fairly. But if they would have made this the is movie, exactly my mindset 
in junior I, high I was gonna say. at at youth group. This is this is my this is a world familiar to me. Because you could conceivably yeah. you could make this movie or remake it in a way that is not distorted or whatever. That really would be a debate. Yeah, or sure. something like that, or have more complex cares, and it could have been done that way. So my question is, why wouldn't it? Would yeah. Because it, it serves a propaganda need. Yeah. It reinforces this vision of what colleges are why like. Why couldn't the professor be somebody who's like, you know, well, I don't know. But what do you guys think? What's the evidence for that? Is this how people really perceive it? Robert Putnam and David Campbell, who we've talked about several American times Grace. on the show. In that book, American Grace, they made a strong case that it was the politicization of the Christian right during the 1990s that actually uh, contributed to this trend of Christians leaving the church. Certainly. A lot of uh, Christians didn't like the commitment to mixing religion and politics, and they didn't like how angry and dogmatic and uh, prejudicial they saw some of their co-religionists and started drifting away from the church. Wouldn't that not be the 90s, but wouldn't that be more post-Roe v. Wade? Of course, began at an earlier time. Okay, this is when but it really this was when people started flocking away from churches because of it. The rise of the religious right, and particularly their institutionalization within the Republican Party with power. Okay, and okay. then people were like, "Well, then you know, now the ero- that people are sort of reacting." So the '90s is when the reaction the started to happen. And you know what, what's funny is if they really want to understand atheists and evangelize us better. It would have been good for them to pay attention to those trends. Like instead of seeing the – they made a point of saying you know, the most vicious opponents of Christianity were once Christians themselves. But instead of trying to explain the atheist as somebody who's, who's mad at God, pay attention to all the data on apostates where they tend to say it was because of a values conflict. They believed in the golden rule. Right. They didn't see that being practiced towards gays, you know. The moral critique was at the heart of a lot of people's apostasy as far as their non-rational reasons for, uh, for leaving. There's no honest or thoughtful exploration of any of those themes. You almost get this picture that the Christian world is perfect and idyllic from this movie. Oh, absolutely. Everybody is supported Except by friends and communities. Except for that one girl who's and, a little yeah. too pushy, but she's a woman. Right. And uh, – and no, bossy is the right term. Jezebel. Yes, bossy. Yeah. And the that only problem the right there was she was trying to make rules for their marriage yep. without consulting him first. So <laughs> the only problem with her was that she was usurping the male's authority. She wanted to be on top. But it was Lilith's mistake too. Yeah. You could make a good movie using this same basic idea and have it be pro-Christian mm-hmm. but use actual arguments and not yeah. stock characters you could actually it's a terrible movie in its construction in the performances in its writing but but ultimately the biggest problem is that there's potential here for an actual discussion but what they've done with this movie instead of educating Christians about actual apologetics mm-hmm. and real arguments which you know is something that doesn't help our cause directly makes people better at arguing it at least against made us. it a more interesting movie would, at least yeah and, and encourage thought and mm-hmm. instead they set up a straw man they set up the evil atheists and you know I got, I, easily beaten by the bible <sighs> yeah no I, honestly if i were a christian and i ended up and i, and I, I watched that the feeling i would have is i'm scared about college yeah but not a but not a particular interest in apologetics. You no. would think that they would want to reverse those 
yeah. you know, be interested in college and, uh, you know, really, you know, make this apologetic stuff really interesting and cool. Like, you, there really are good arguments for God, you know? Right. But that, I didn't come away from, with, I mean, I mean obviously I'm an atheist, so I don't think that there is, but they didn't even make it look like this was a interesting subject to pursue yeah for your especially faith. when it all boils down to it uh, seemed unnecessary an emotional argument too yeah, it yes. largely seemed unnecessary um because at the end he was like it's a choice you know so i mean the christians in the audience they're they're thinking i don't really need to defend i can just say that it's a choice you know and and my my choice is as legitimate as yours kind of thing and yeah you're not really arming christians yeah you're which not which i mean I, Hey, Which thanks. I'm glad, but like, right. but what, but like come what on. what classes would be like if you just assumed that that was true, though. Okay, uh, well, philosophy is uh, God exists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, dot, dot, dot. What else could you talk about? Nothing really much to talk about today. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think, that, I think the one thing we can agree on is that this is a huge missed opportunity for them. I think it... It got them exactly what they wanted, which is to make it sold people tickets, afraid of made money, education. But they, it did nothing for their for their position in the in the quote unquote culture wars. It did nothing right. to really motivate, educate their flock. All right, uh, let's wrap up with a, a slightly more fun note. Um, there's another uh, religious based movie out in theaters right now. Noah, yay! Justin, you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's read the Genesis story recognizes only a few chapters. It's not a lot there. There's not a lot there. And by so, the way, this isn't some religious crank making this movie. Right. This is Darren Aronofsky, like who's a very good, a filmmaker. really good filmmaker. Yeah. yeah. I pulled some reviews from Amazon okay. of Noah. Um, this is a one star review. Uh, two hours of my life I cannot get back, and for what? A fanatical environmentalist wacko's rewrite of history? (laughs) Horrible. Um, This is from Alan. Beyond the name Noah and a large wooden craft intended to float through the epic flood, this has absolutely nothing to do with the biblical account. Rock people, parentheses, fallen angels, who ingratiate themselves to Noah but are whisked back to heaven for defending the ark? Magical seeds from Eden? Vegetarians? <laughs> Magical smoke that put the birds and animals into hibernation? A stowaway king that eats the sleeping animals and presumably causes the extinction of species on the ark? This sounds great. Um, <laughs> Noah is a homicidal maniac. No wives for Ham and Japheth. Instead, they are to marry their nieces? Oh, yeah, because incest in the story of Noah would be creepy. Yeah. Uh, The underlying supposition that mankind is somehow a mistake that should have been exterminated, but for Noah's cowardice? This movie has it all wrong, and what else would one expect from an environmentalist and atheist? Yeah, yeah. This rendition is so completely unfathomable, and for what? To embellish a story that needs no augmentation— do yourself a favor. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and skip the movie. Um, and another one-star review here. Noah Who is the title. This is from Schneider. Uh, the first time I thought I had to leave was when the Watchers explains that they came to Earth to help the people, whereas the Bible account shows that the fallen angels came to Earth to do wicked things, and that is why they were punished. The idea that fallen angels helped Noah build the ark is ridiculous. 
so many other details in the movie that are simply not in harmony with the Bible account that I think this movie does not deserve to be called Noah in the sense of the Bible character. God didn't speak once. It almost seemed as if, quote, grandfather replaced God, although he reminded me more of a sorcerer than a godly patriarch. Uh, they referred to the God figure as the creator. Yeah. Like, time and time again, and even, I think, Ham, the character of Ham, mm-hmm. refers to God. Oh. Says the creator is God, but it's only once. But, like, big deal. Right. Um, yeah, I think everybody knows who creator is. Yeah. yeah. Um, declaration of Here's another thing. Yes, Noah wasn't homicidal. God was. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that one's true. Uh, the idea of incest is totally in there, as uh-huh. pointed out. Uh, I've heard other people complain that Noah got drunk. And yeah. angry in the movie. That's what happens after That's the flood. What he happens after the flood yeah. is he and gets wasted in his. What tent I like about this movie is that it makes sense of that scene when you read the text. Sure, you see, it ends with Noah being drunk in his tent and how Ham comes and sees him, and that's you know that's he gets cursed. Yeah, it makes no sense in the text. But the 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 script the the Aronofsky movie actually puts a narrative to this. Sure. Noah is interpreting these visions of of a big flood coming. He's interpreting this as um, God is using uh, the last humans on Earth continue the existence of of non human animals, but that the humans because it's their fault they will eventually they die. They're just being used as tools. Yeah. So he's thinking that all of humanity is going to die and that they're the last family. We're just we just have to help the animals survive this right. flood. And so then- spoiler alert. Here. Here, uh, he thinks that he's going to have to, or he, his daughter, or I'm sorry, one of the um, his, his kids' in-laws, uh, wives, uh, gets pregnant, and he says, "If it's a daughter, I have to kill the, the yeah. children. If it's a son, it'll just be the last that, males on earth." That is so the he's, point. He's where... thinking that he's going to have to do this, and his yeah. family is horrified that you know once once they're born, he's going to kill them, and. He eventually doesn't, but this Wait, is Wait, does he clearly... think this because if humans just go on populating, they're just going to become it's sinful gonna... and wicked again? Yeah. Oh, in other words, what happened in so the Bible? So he's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it makes it, – it actually provides a more co- coherent version than the Bible does. It, it makes – and so because of that kind of psychological mm-hmm. difficulty he had to go through of like he eventually decided not to kill the, the children, but like that – messed him up and he's drunk at the end of the movie and he's you know yeah. he's he's separated from his family he's kind of isolated himself so actually making some it, it, sense it gives the, the narrative some coherence story. and i enjoyed it for that reason that, that scene where he was talking about killing it. a baby is is mm-hmm. when this reviewer had to leave the only good scene in the movie they say was when all the animals walked into the ark but the rest of the movie was absolute <laughs> nonsense the part that I <laughs> but the rest of the movie was absolute yep. nonsense five star review this is a quick one made me think of god's plan and she says i left in tears because it had so much feeling in god's plan will definitely supposed to be definitely buy when allowed and would would buy others about the bible five stars (laughs) (laughs) so that's gonna do Uh. it for us today um we will be back with more Reasonable Doubt soon. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter at slash Doubtcast. Email us at doubtcast at gmail.com. Check out Public Reality Radio. And uh, we'll be back with more Reasonable Doubts, your skeptical guide to religion. To catch up on past Reasonable Doubts episodes or to email your questions or comments, check out www.doubtcast.org. Reasonable Doubts is a production of WPRR Reality Radio. You can find out more about Reality Radio at 
publicrealityradio.org. Reasonable Doubt's theme music is performed by Love Fossil and used with permission. <laughs>